0: My wife and I are in a different church every week we We see the good, the bad, and the ugly and uh you've got a great thing here at bible Baptist. there there's as a youth I was a youth pastor for twenty eight years, and to me the most important thing on the teen calendar by far was summer camp summer camp i I made major decisions in summer camp and and going to bible camp and and learning and and making decisions but as far and and I've never been a pastor so you can you can have say your opinion on this later or you can say it now you're the pastor you do whatever you want to do but uh i i don't know that there's a a more important thing on the church calendar than a couple's retreat because your pastor just said this church is only as strong as the families are the families being the strength of the family is vital for you to put the emphasis in your home like you're doing this weekend can i tell you there's there's it's more important than a college football game tomorrow more important than, than, it's more important than anything else you can do. And uh, thank you for the emphasis you're putting on, on family. I've got two different messages, literally two different messages, and I am struggling real hard. I think I know where I'm going to go. I was thinking James chapter number three, a biblical response to conflict, because um, we all face conflict. I don't think that's where God wants me to go. And I, I, I'm really struggling, Pastor. I, I know you know what I'm going through here, trying to figure out what God wants, but I think I'm going to go a different direction. We all face conflict. I've got, I, I don't know that I've really even introduced my family real well to you. My wife and I, we've been married 28, almost 29 years now. And uh, she was 12, I was, I was 18. <laughs> I'm from Tennessee, that is legal there, by the way. That is, <laughs> uh, it wasn't quite that way, but, but uh, we got married and been married for a long time now, and there's been plenty of conflict in our home. There's been plenty of times, she grew up in a in a blended family home. I grew up, my parents went through a divorce, I, I, so I... I there's conflict, we, we know what conflict is. I have three older brothers. By the way, all my brothers have girls' names. Every one of them, my oldest brother's name is Carrie. It's a girl's name. And I love to tell him that too. I love to tell him that. My next brother's name, my parents' name, these aren't, these aren't nicknames, these are how, on their birth certificate. My next brother's name is Kelly, and that, the girl's name. And, uh, and then my third brother's name, I'm just saying, uh, this one's probably more of a guy's name than a girl's name, but Kel, or Corey is my third brother's name. And uh, you know when I think of the name Corey, I think of Corey Ten Boom, and that's uh, a girl. So I, I tell my brothers, "You got all a bunch of girls," and then they beat me up, and I cry like a girl. And they say, "Hey, see, you're the real woman in the family." <laughs> and uh, and so I, I know what conflict is. We we've got two daughters. Uh, my oldest daughter, her name is Angel. Um, we're still trying to determine what type of angel she really is, and uh, she's a fallen at least the halo's sideways, one way or the other. But uh, she is she is uh, she'll turn 25 in just a few weeks. And uh, she lives on her own in Fort Walton Beach, Florida. Teaches in a Christian school there. And uh, loves the Lord. Matter of fact, she's on a date with a boy she's been talking to for about six months now. She's on a date with her first time actually officially meeting him. It wasn't all, he was in the military. And we grew up, that her, his dad's a pastor. And we've known the family, but it's really her first time. So, she's on a date right now. So, if y'all think about it. First date, first date. She, all day she's been talking. She's called tonight? Oh, just... Yeah, before we got in here. Yeah, so she's terrified, nervous, scared, and all that stuff. And so... But if this doesn't work out, I am taking applications. If you know of anybody else who's seeking... I, I, we've, got, we've got Angel who's almost 25. Our next daughter is Gabby, Gabrielle. We call her Gabby. And uh, she is 21. She'll be 22 in her senior year of nursing school at Pensacola. And uh, she is engaged. Her fiance is in firefighting training school in Winder, Georgia. And, uh, but I can tell you along the way, there's been plenty of conflict. There's been plenty of times where you just butt heads. I, I remember one time and, and this, I'm changing messages. I don't even know why I'm telling you this. Uh, I remember one time walking into my daughter's bedroom. She was 17, almost 18 years old. And we had heard my daughter say on a couple of different occasions, we heard her say, uh, when I turn 18, I'm out of here. And, uh, and you think, well, you're in a preacher's home because sin is in every home. Conflict is in every home. And she said that. And so I just, I'm not an angry person. I don't usually raise my voice. Unless I'm preaching, I don't usually raise my voice and, or watching the Cubs. And I, But anyway, I, I was, I, usually I'm yelling at them, come on! But uh, I went to the closet and went in and grabbed a suitcase out of the closet. Walked into her bedroom and I set the suitcase in her bedroom and I said almost said her name. I, I said, you want to turn 18 and move out? Here's your suitcase. Go ahead and pack it. Get out. You will not act that way in my home. And then I'm, I'm sitting there thinking in my brain, why in the world did I just do that? As I walked out of her room, suitcase in there, she's like, you know, uh, my wife's crying. My other sister's like, yes, I get a room, you know. And, <laughs> I walk out. I'm, I'm in my brain. I'm praying, God, please. I, I'm literally begging God, please, God, help her not to pack that suitcase. Help her not to do it. You know, the the, the conflict in a home is real. And a biblical. Maybe maybe the Lord will lead me back there tomorrow. A biblical response to conflict. But I think God wants me to go to First Corinthians thirteen. First Corinthians thirteen. I I, I want to be real practical and simple, and uh, something you can. You know, put a hook on and take home. I'm a very simple-minded man. I, I, my preaching follows that. I don't go deep in my preaching. I want you to have something you can take home tonight and, and implement in your marriage uh, or be reminded of in our marriage. 1 Corinthians 13, we're going to read the whole chapter. It's known as the love chapter in the Bible. Um, our family, we, by the way, we sat down in family devotions. As in family devotions, we memorized the book of James. We'd memorize a, a verse a week and we'd add another verse. Every week. And so my girls were little. It wasn't my idea. I'm not the spiritual one. It's my wife. And uh, we would go and we memorized memorize the entire book of James. We'd recite it at breakfast every morning. And uh, we got through with James and we went to Philippians. We memorized the book of Philippians, the book of joy. And about halfway through, between those two, cha- those two books, I, we were having conflict. So we said, let's, let's go to 1 Corinthians 13. And thir- 1 Corinthians 13 is loaded. Can I, can I ask you tonight to pretend? Like this is the first time you ever heard 1 Corinthians 13. Now just pretend it's, it's rich. 1 Corinthians 13, we'll read the 13 verses in this passage of scripture and understand I I give a definition of the word charity, my my own personal definition, not technical, but my definition of charity is biblical love, not love. Our world has so twisted what love is. Uh, Love is, is not what you see on TV. Love is not what you see uh, in society. But God has a description of love, and I want us to look at it tonight. 1 Corinthians 13, verse number 1, the Apostle Paul says, by inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God, though I speak with the tongues of men and angels and have not charity, I am become a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity or biblical love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. I, in my notes, I wrote down, number one, the priority of love. In, in these first three verses, and I'll just go through it, I'll, I'll stop as we go through it and, and explain But Those first three verses, Paul, God teaches us what the priority of love is. And, and in this passage, do you notice the, co- the contrast he made? in what biblical love is compared to what other things we feel is important in life. Listen to what he says in verse 1. He says, though I speak with the tongues of men and angels and have not charity, though I have the oratorical abilities of statesmen to be able to stand, though I can explain things, though my brain may be so smart, and I may have all the knowledge. If I don't display biblical love, I'm, I'm that the Peanuts cartoon. Wah, 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 wah. That, that's us. And, and in our marriage, sometimes we get this biblical love out. We, we think, well, we, we're smooth talkers. We can work our, we can connive. We can work this out. And God says, without love. You ever been in a church service outside of Bible Baptist where you've been there and you heard someone preach, and they may have been fantastic in their delivery, but there was no connection there? What is that? What, what keeps someone who may be an amazing orator, orator from connecting with people. I'll tell you what it is. It's a lack of love, biblical love. Paul says, if we don't have that love, we show one for another. If that love isn't there, it's just wah, 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 wah. Men, sometimes it's that way when we're, we're, in, we're in our zone doing our own thing, and our wife is talking to us, and, and it, it becomes wah, wah, My wife said to me just the other day, we were packing to come here, and, and she was saying something to me, and I was like, la, 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 you know, in my own little la, la land, and, uh, and I'm, I'm doing something, and she said, you didn't even hear what I said, did you? Well, that time, I did, and I was able to repeat what she had said to me. Why did she say, you didn't even hear what I said? And I know, men, you, you, this never happened to you, I know, but, but it happens to me often. Why did she even look at me and say, did you even hear what I said? Because I wasn't focused. I wasn't showing that love to her. It became a wah, 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 wah. My daughter, when she was little, I remember our routine was to go in the bedroom, and when, when our daughters were laying in bed, they'd they tuck them in and pray with them. That, every night, we'd do the same thing. And you, you came in with your son, and I, I tell you, that it really took my mind back to, to uh, our daughters when that age, and, and we had this, this fun routine. We'd go in, and, and I remember, literally, my daughters, they, they'd be under the covers, and lights are off, and I'd... I would throw the door open and run in the room and jump literally like Superman on top of him and wham, right on top, right on top of him. Now I'd put my hands down so I didn't crush them, but I, and then I'd get right on top of the, the the comforter over their, over their body and, and I'd take the, the comforter across, the, around the neck, around the shoulders and I'd pull it taunt right there and they'd be looking up at me and I'd say, are you ready? Oh. And then I'd bounce the bed and I'd say, snug as a bug in a rug. And, and they would say it with me. Snug as a bug in a rug. You know, and, and it's just pr- probably child abuse is what people would call it. But I'd bounce them. And then they'd spin over on their back and I'd scratch their back. And, and we went through this routine and then we'd pray with them. I, I remember one time going to my daughter's bedroom and she said, daddy, I, and, I, and she was trying to tell me something. And I was like, okay, we got to hurry. We got to hurry. we got And I, I, I wasn't zoned in. I mean, I was just there. And my little three-year-old daughter Put her hands on my face. And she grabbed my face and she turned it towards her. And she said, Daddy, focus. Focus. Listen to me, Daddy. Look right here. You know what she was saying? I want your love. I want your love. Paul says, you may be the most intellectual. You. He, he, he goes on and says in verse number two, and though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have the, all faith so that I could remove mountains, and have not charity, I am nothing. Oh, hold on, did you hear what he said in that verse? He said, if I could remove mountains. I mean, literally. The Bible says with the, the, the faith the size of a grain of mustard seed, you can say in this mountain be cast into the sea, and it'll be cast into the sea. How many of y'all have ever met someone that literally moved a mountain? I mean, you know, you go to Tennessee, see this mountain, and you, you met someone who prayed to the Lord, move that mountain, and the mountain's gone. Smoky mountains are gone. You ever met anyone that's done that? Paul said, if I could do that, and I don't have biblical love, I'm nothing. I mean, look at the priority that God places on this love. Verse number number three, and though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, give everything I have. And though I give my body to be burned, though I would be a martyr, though I would give my life for some cause, and I have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. So I see number one in this passage of Scripture, I see that priority of love, verses 1-3. through 3. But I see number two, I see the practice of love, verses 4-8. through 8, Listen to this, we're going to spend some time here and, and then we'll close with the conclusion of the last verse. Verse number four, charity. Uh, am I okay saying biblical love there, Pastor? Are you okay with me saying that? Biblical love. And, and I'm not trying to change the Scripture, I'm trying to, to help us understand what God's saying here. Biblical love suffereth long. Let me read through it and I'll come back to him. Suffereth long and is kind. Biblical love, charity envieth not, charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up, doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. Love, biblical love, beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Charity never faileth. Okay, so what is, what is God teaching us about love? Okay, this is a marriage retreat. This is our relationship with each other. If I said, do you love your spouse? Every one of us would raise our hand. Oh yeah, we love. We, I mean, you just testified to the fact. I love my wife. I, I would do anything. I would take a bowl. I would die for my wife. I, I, I would. She has my fact, She told me to make sure I, I up that insurance, life insurance policy. So I think she's expecting me to do it now too. But uh, I'm worth more dead than I am alive. There's no doubt about it. But here in this passage of scripture, God says, here's what love is. We say we love each other, but do our actions show that we love each other? I know this is, th- th- this is so simple that we're guilty of missing the truth of what God has for us here. This isn't the, the puppy love that, that your, your you know, 10, 10, 11, 12 year old child has in school when they see someone cute in the other class. We're not talking, God describes love for us here, and in your home. In your marriage. Does this describe your love for each other? All the other issues that we have, the, 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 I've got some pet peeves. One of my pet peeves is, you know, the syrup bottle for, for pancakes, the lid, you know, that little snap off the, you pop the lid up you ever pour syrup out and then put the thing back and there's no syrup dripping off the edge? I mean, it happens every time, does it? Ketchup is the same way. You put the ketchup down, flip it over, and ketchup flops over on the top of the lid. And typically, what do we do? Close the lid. And then you put it back in the refrigerator, and the next time you want ketchup, you go in there and you pull it out and you pop it loose and that dry, nasty ketchup is on the lid. And then you take it, you don't worry about it, you just take the ketchup the next time, squirt it down, flip it back over, and it piles on more. And then you do it again. Before you know it, you can't even close the lid because the dried ketchup's on there. I hate that. And the, the syrup bottle, I hate that. The, you, can't, you can't even pop it. So literally, when I, I just go in there. I, we all pet peeves. I go in the kitchen. My wife, she, this doesn't happen in our house. It, it really doesn't. It used to years ago. And then I used it as an illustration one time. It doesn't happen anymore. <laughs> now, I, what I did, I didn't say, hey, honey, come on, let's fix this. This is a mess. You know, I just took the lid off, walked over to the sink, turned on the hot water, set it down there, let it soak in hot water for like three days because it took that long to chisel off that dried ketchup. <laughs> It cleaned it off and put it back on and just went on. We all have pet peeves. We all have things that get on our nerves. How do you respond when that when that happens? There's where love comes in. The Bible says this, love covers a multitude of sins. L- look what he says here. We'll, d- we'll describe, we'll define what he says here. He says in verse number four, charity suffereth long. What does it mean to suffer long? I looked it up and started doing some study. It-, it literally means Cherry doesn't give up. I'm going to endure the test. I'm not quitting. Does, does marriage get hard from time to time? Sure it does. Sure it does. Are there times that you, you kind of let some resentment start building in your heart towards your spouse? I know right now, none of us going to say, oh, yeah, <laughs> I know. It's, we're not going to say it because right now, it, it, it's that lovey-dovey time right now. We've just talked about how much we love each other. But God says God says that biblical love endures. It goes through the test. It goes through the trial. It doesn't give up. Charity suffereth long. And it goes on and says, and is kind. I literally looked it up. You know what it is? It's not cranky. You ever get cranky? Don't raise your hand. Don't point. You ever, you ever you know somebody got cranky? I I do not take naps, babe. Why don't I take naps? Because I don't. She's being kind to me right now. Because I wake up grumpy. I don't wake up the same. For me, a nap is about seven hours, and it's called bedtime at nighttime. And uh, I, I if I go if I lay down for a thirty minute little nap, I'm gonna wake up and I'm like, oh because I didn't get enough sleep. And then if I go three hours, I'm like, oh, it still wasn't enough sleep. It's got to be about six, seven hours, and and then I'm fine. But those little short Sunday afternoon naps, I I can't do it. That's just me. Then uh, I wish I could, because there's times I need one. I just don't do it. The Bible says love is kind. It's not cranky. Matter of fact, if you'll go back, I wish we would take the time, Ephesians chapter number, no, Colossians chapter number 3. It's another one of those marriage chapters. I I may speak on Colossians 3. I'm I'm telling it now. Tomorrow night, or Sunday night, I think I'll preach on that. But Colossians 3, the Bible says, Husbands, be not bitter against your wife. Bitter. God says, Husbands, don't be bitter. And it's not talking about, it's not the word bitter. The word bitter literally means means harsh. Don't don't be harsh to your wife. As men, sometimes we're like, come on. My daughter, the, the youngest, Gabby, she's a sports player. And uh, she loves sports. She's the rough and tumble. Someone fouls her, she's ready to throw the elbow. I mean, she's fighting. And some guy calls her a name, she's going to punch him right in the neck. I've taught her well. She, my oldest daughter, you, you give her a cut down, she's like, oh, thank you. Thank you. You're so sweet. I mean, she, she doesn't have an enemy in the world. My youngest, oh, she's got plenty of enemies. Because she'll punch him right in the face. And uh, that, that's just my, my youngest daughter. And she'd be out in the basketball court playing basketball, and, and, and someone would would foul her. She hardly ever cries. So when she cries, you know she's really, really hurt. And uh, She's out of the court running up and down. She got fouled real hard. She's limping. She's tears coming down her face. I stood up in the, in the bleachers. I hollered out, Gabby! man up, let's go. She looked at me like, what? And she just kept running going. She caught me. I said, dad, I'm not a man. Why'd you say that? I said, come on, you can do better than that. Don't, that you know what the Bible says? Don't be harsh. Don't be harsh. And and, and as men, sometimes we struggle with that. He he says, biblical love suffereth long, doesn't give up, and is kind. It's not cranky. Number number three, he says, charity envieth not. My wife taught me this, the difference between jealousy and envy. They they many times are used simultaneously. Can I tell you they're not the same? I didn't know this. I would use them the same all the time, but they're not the same. Jealousy is, I want what you have. You got that car. Man, I want that car. I was, following, I was following your car today. I was like, man, that's a sweet ride right there. And, and I thought, man, uh, jealousy is, man, I want that. I, I got to have that. Envy is not, I want that. Envy is, I want that and I want it so bad I don't even want you to have it. Envy strikes at the other person. Envy is, I want what you have and you can't have it. Biblical love says, I don't, I don't, I'm not going to envy my spouse. Have you ever, you ever? This this runs true in our home. We travel in evangelism. Most of the time, I'm the only one who speaks. And after a service is over, people come and say, "Oh, brother Kurt, that was great. Thank you so much." And my wife's over the side, like, I wrote the sermon for him, and you know, she doesn't. But but there's 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 almost no recognition her direction. And if you're not careful you can start getting that jealousy and even sometimes envy towards your spouse. Well what why are you getting recognized and I'm not? I'm the one who got up and got the kids ready. I'm the one everyone says you're a great dad with your kids and I'm the one who birthed those kids. I'm the one who went to death's door to get I'm the one up in the middle of the night nursing and I'm the one up there changing the diaper. I'm the one cleaning up the puke. I'm the, And if we're not careful we start having this war within our own family because of envy. The Bible says biblical love doesn't envy. It's not about me. Uh, charity, next it says charity vaunteth not itself. Vaunteth not, not itself is not boastful or bragging of itself. I wrote down in my notes as a spouse and this, I'm preaching it myself here. My wife, she'll say amen real loud in her heart right now. What, what this means to me is, is I need to learn to sit down and listen and shut my mouth. I am am guilty of being a problem solver. You know, if your wife comes to you and has an issue, most of us men are are wired this way. We wanna fix it. We wanna solve the problem. Hey, the door's not working. All right, got it. Go and, and fix the door. Uh, you know, the car, you know, it's, it's not right. Oh, go and fix the car or, or whatever the project is. We are, as men, we're, we're real prone to fixing problems. You know, there's some problems, men, you can't fix. <laughs> Amen. There's some of them. There's, there's been many times I sat down with my wife and she's starting to unload something on me, something that's burdened her down. And I want to listen. But if I'm not careful, I spend the time telling her, well, here's what you need to do. Here's how you fix that. Here's what I would do if I were, sometimes guys and girls are so different. Women will cry sometimes at the drop of a hat. They'll laugh the next moment. The emotions can go up and down. And and as men, we're not normally wired that way. However, because of that, we want to solve the problems the same way in her life as they are in our life. And here in this passage of Scripture, I I learned my job is to sit back and listen. And there's sometimes, I've said this to her, I've said, Do you want me to fix this right now, or do you just want me to listen? I've literally had to ask that question multiple times. Is this something you want me to to fix, or is it, you just want me, you just want to tell me how you feel right now. And by the way, are there times where, ladies, are there times where your feelings aren't accurate, but yet you feel that way anyway? Have you ever walked through church? I know this would never happen here, but somewhere else. Maybe you've heard other ladies talk about it. They walk through church, and, and, and they walk by someone who's supposed to be their friend, that other lady who's supposed to be their friend, and they walk by, and they say hi, and that lady walks by and didn't say hi back. And then they're like, oh, what did I? Why is she so mad at me? Why did she ignore me? And then they're mad inside because that person didn't respond, and they're supposed to be friends, and, and now all of a sudden there's a conflict, and they go home, and they're like, oh, I can't believe she didn't even say, have, have your feelings ever been wrong? Have you ever ever had that time where you were misunderstood? We've all been there. You know what God teaches me here in this passage of Scripture? He teaches me that that I'm not there to seek my own. I'm not there to vaunt myself. I'm not there to to make sure that I'm recognized, that my needs are met. I've, I've got to learn to sit down and listen and stop talking. Listen to the other person's hurts. Listen to their wants. Listen to their needs. He goes on and he says this is not puffed up. The word puffed up means arrogant or proud. You know, the Bible says, only by pride cometh contention. That means in your home, those times you have those conflicts, you know what the root cause is? It's not that he went and played golf. It's not that he he's watching a football game again. It's The problem is not that. The problem is, it really boils down to pride. Only by pride cometh contention. I, that's not my word, that's God's word. Only by pride cometh contention. So, and, and my natural response to that is, you're right. It is my pride and it's his pride or it's her pride. And if they'll get it right, no, no, no. Just even that thought means my pride is getting in the way again. It's not puffed up. Biblical love is not puffed up. He goes on and says, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. Rejoiceth not in iniquity, not happy over someone else's failures or that's what you deserve, You you made your bed, lie in it. You got to sit on your own blister. You did wrong. Biblical love doesn't rejoice in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth, in the the way God's working. That's what happened just a few moments ago in this room. We were rejoicing with each other as we talked about how good God's been in our home. That's what biblical love is all about. The opposite of biblical, biblical love would be this. When someone else is giving a testimony, we're sitting there thinking, well, I I hope my husband's listening to that one right there. I hope he listens to that. He needs that. Hey, say that again one more time. He needs that right there. That's not biblical love. Biblical love is us coming alongside and rejoicing in the truth, rejoicing in what God has for us. I'm trying to hasten along here. The Bible says, uh, rejoicing on verse number seven, biblical love beareth all things. It means encourages and lifts up. You you know what? You know what the Bible says? Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. I want to fulfill God's law. I want to serve God. How can I, how Sean, can you best fulfill God's law? By bearing her burden, by lifting her up, by encouraging her. That's true in every marriage. How can, I, how can I fulfill the law of Christ? By coming alongside my brother. We're good at doing that to other people outside the home. I'm getting ahead of myself now. We're good at doing that. We come to church, hey, brother, yeah, oh, yeah. That's We're good at being, Br- Brother Renee, you, you're the biggest cheerleader in the room. There's no doubt about it. That, I don't mean that in a distance. You could pound me in the ground like a, you know, I, 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 when I say cheerleader, I mean you're the encourager. I mean, you're always, yeah, hey, that's great, yeah, that's awesome. I love it. You're giving high fives over flipping a bottle. That's awesome. Can I tell you, we're good at that in public. How is that at home? See, because all this, we could say, yeah, we're good at this in in different areas. But really, no other area, and I've written this down, it all starts at home. It really doesn't, I'm I'm going to the the, the end of the message instead of the beginning. Can, Can I tell you, it really doesn't matter how you conduct yourself at Bible Baptist Church. Let me say that one more time really doesn't matter how you conduct yourself here. It does. But what really matters is this, how is it at home? Inside the four walls of your home. How's that biblical love going? He says it beareth all things. He says it believeth all things. Biblical love believes all things. We talked just a few moments ago about trust. The trust that you have, You, you gave the testimony about having that trust in your spouse. Biblical love believeth all things. Biblical love hopeth all things. Uh, hopeth all things uh, talks about that, that trust, that, that confidence we have in that other person. That, that biblical love, I, I believe what they're going to say and I, I put my confidence in it. and endureth all things. I, I'm getting to the end. It endureth all things. In other words, that biblical love is the staying power in your marriage. We don't fall out of love. Love is a choice. Biblical love is how you keep going year after year. after. when I hear someone say they've been married for 30, 40 years, I literally stand back in, in 2022, I stand back and I think, wow, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. It still can happen. Does that mean they don't have conflict? One guy, one guy said, yeah, we've been together 40, 44 years. And About 20 of them have been wonderful years. The other ones haven't been so wonderful, you know. And and, and is there some truth to some of that stuff? Yeah, there's hard times along in marriage, no doubt about it. But when Christ is in his place, again, I'm getting ahead of myself, then that biblical love is possible. He says, verse number eight, and I encourage you, if you can, to highlight this in your Bible, mark it, do something. Literally, it says, charity never faileth. This is not my words. This is God's word. In your home, biblical love never fails. In other words, when, when there's conflict in the home, when there's struggle in the home, when there's to- those times you think, I just can't keep pressing on, I can tell you what the key is. The key is getting back on your knees, falling back in love with God again, and saying, God, I choose to love. Love never fails. Love, the Bible says God is love. Love never fails. Biblical love. He he goes on. Let me skip down to the conclusion. I I put down, number one, the priority of love. Number two, the practice of love. Number three, the permanence of love. And and I want you to see number three, verses 9 through 13, but I'm literally going to skip all the way down to verse number 13. The Bible says this, Now abideth faith, hope, charity, these three. But the greatest of these is faith. Is that what it says? No. It's hope, right? Hope is the greatest of those, right? No. Charity. Hold on. Okay, I didn't write the Bible. I'm a very simple-minded person. My mind goes to the greatest of these three. Love is important. And by the way, I understand the theological ramifications of this. But let, let me play devil's advocate for just a moment. When I think of this verse, I think of, okay, faith. The Bible says, but without faith, it is impossible to please God. The Bible says, for, uh, for by faith, through faith, you know the verse, for by, 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 for by grace you are saved through faith. And then, I, how, how do you get to heaven? It is through faith. I won't even have the ability of going to heaven without faith. If, if I'm writing 1 Corinthians 13, 13, I'm thinking, okay, faith is a little more important than love. Because without faith, I can't, there's no way to experience a uh, 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 heaven. There's no way I experience God's pleasure in my life. There's no way. Faith is vital. Faith is so important. Uh, hope, that blessed hope of his glorious uh, appearing. I, I know one day I'm going to spend eternity in heaven. That hope is vital. That hope is what gets you up and drives you every day. But then he goes on and he says, no, the greatest of these is charity. That biblical love in our home is the greatest attribute you can have in your home. I, I carry this quote in my Bible. It, it, let me find it. I've got so many different things in the front of my Bible now. This little piece of paper. Lord changed our, our life drastically three years ago, give or take three years ago. Moved us into evangelism. And, and by the way, I'm so thankful for that. Nothing but positive to say about it. But a man gave me this, this little quote. And, and I'll read it to you. The quote says this. People will forget what you said. People will forget what you did, but people will never forget how you made them feel. Can I tell you? It's it's not Bible, but it is Bible. It's Bible principle. Can, can I can I do a little little uh, experiment here? And 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 you may kill this for me. I, you, but can you tell me what pastor preached on last Sunday? Anyone know what he preached on Sunday morning? Last Sunday morning? You know you man, you, you're killing it for me. Ah, Pastor, do you remember what you preached on last Sunday morning? You do? <laughs> There's been times I've preached and I thought, man, what did I preach last Sunday morning? Man, I know I did, but I can't remember. Do you do serieses? Okay, see, so you're cheating on it. So it's easy to remember what, that's easy. Mrs. Keeley, would you ever remember? <laughs> I'm going, don't answer that, don't answer that. The, the truth is, is sometimes we, things go in and out, don't they? My, my, my point is this. It, it, it's not about how, how well we, we say things. It's not about how much we do for someone. How, how does your relationship, sir, with your wife make her feel? That's biblical love. I, I, I'm, not you, I'm not giving you A, B, C, D. What I'm telling you tonight is it all comes right back here, it's all our heart. There's no book that's written. We've got books we would highly recommend. There's some fantastic books out there on marriage. But to be honest with you, you can have all the knowledge about marriage. And ma'am, you can be the best cook. You, you, can, you can fix the, the, the house in an amazing way in decorations. Sir, you can mow that yard and make it perfect. You can do all the work outside. But, but I, I can tell you this, all that's going to burn someday. It's not going to amount to anything. Uh, I remember hearing a preacher say, I, I, uh, he used to say, stick your finger in a bucket of water. Pull your finger out. The amount of time it takes for that water to displace where your finger was at is about the amount of time it takes for you to be replaced in what you do. That hurts. That hurts. I served 26 years in one place as a youth pastor. And a week later, someone else was doing it. And everyone's like, hey, Brother Jordan, yeah! And I'm like, wait, wait a second. Wait a second. Hey, can I tell you? That job you're working, and I know it's important. I'm not minimizing the job. But that job is not more important than your relationship with your spouse. That, that, that yard, you said it today in the, in the session. That yard, who cares if the grass, you didn't get it cut around here probably not as big of a deal but in Tennessee it turns into a jungle you got to move the cars out of the yard before you mow the yard but but uh, you can get them off the blocks first get the refrigerator off the front porch too and the couch and, uh, and the couch uh, you know we it does it, it really all that stuff is going to burn what you're taking to heaven with you is your family so in other words let's take 1st Corinthians 13 and let's choose to love biblically your children will always pattern their beliefs on home and family after you they'll watch you sir your children will watch how you respond to your wife They'll, they'll see how by the way then they'll do the same thing and you'll jump their case for it hey 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 don't you talk to your mom like that and you, Wait, 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 Dad, you just did the same thing. You, you, you ever notice, if you watch children, how much they resemble mom and dad? You, you ever watch, even, even how they walk. You, can walk? you can watch someone walk, and you can say, oh, he walks just like his dad. It's amazing. Ba- and how they talk? And the, the, the mannerisms, you say that to your teenager right now, you look just like, you say it to your teenage daughter, you look just like your mom. And they're going to be like, no, don't say that. I don't, know." It, but, but it's true. Let me ask you, if your child loves his spouse the way you love your spouse, what kind of marriage are they going to have? You see, this idea of loving each other, this is the crux, the base <laughs> For marriage. Can I challenge you? Go through 1 Corinthians 13 as a couple and be willing to open your heart to your spouse and say, honey, how am I doing in this puffing up part? Am am I, I'm showing envy here direction. I'm so sorry. I'm not rejoicing with you when good things happen to you. I I want those good, can I encourage you? Let's take 1 Corinthians 13 in our homes and let's make 1 Corinthians 13 the basis for that love for our spouse because charity never fails. Never fails. So let's push that reset button on our home. Let's, let's fall, not fall back in love. I almost said it myself. Let's choose to stay fervently in love with each other. And uh, Don't lose it. Let's pray together. Pastor, I'll turn it over to you. Lord, thank you for 1 Corinthians 13. God, thank you for the power that's in your word. God, I pray that you'd help each of us today to choose, first of all, Lord, it starts with loving you. We don't even have the capacity to love a spouse like we should if we don't love love you like we should. So, God, help us to love you. The way we act, the way we talk, the things we do, our thoughts, our mannerisms of life. Help us to show our love for you. And God, may that show of love for you reflect in our show of love for our wife, our husband. God, thank you for 1 Corinthians 13. Help us to live it. Help us not just be a hearer of your word, but God, help us to be a doer of your word. Thank you for your goodness, Lord. And Lord, I pray you'd bless in a mighty way in Jesus' name.